Welcome to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. This week, we kick off a new series about parenting that we will continue in the fall. In this first episode, Beth Moorhead, who leads our counseling and prayer ministry at Wyzetta Free, has a conversation with therapist Barb Benson about anxiety in children. Well, I'm so glad that you guys could be here today. We are starting a brand new series called Let's Talk About Parenting. And specifically uh, today, we're going to be talking about how that relates to anxiety and mental health. This is going to be um, a three-part series, but we're starting this first conversation now, and we'll be following up with multiple in the fall. So we're super excited to uh, invite some friends, some voices you might know and other voices you might not know. So I'm going to have those two people who are with me today introduce themselves. Okay, I'm Beth Moorhead. I'm the director of the counseling ministry at Wayzata Free Church. I'm also involved with the prayer ministry. I'm a grandmother and a mother, and I'm delighted to be here with with you and Barb today. And I'm Barb Benson. I am a therapist in the Minnetonka area. I specialize in anxiety disorders. I've been doing this about 14 years. Before that, I was an RN, and I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, I am just a part of this conversation, and really, I know that Beth uh, is planning on asking some questions, so I will let her go jump right in. Well, I met Barb when um, several years ago when Barb was working with a counseling group, and then uh, she uh, separated from that group and started her own practice, and over the years, I have referred people to Barb, people from our church, our community, and even my my own family, and um, Barb, I'm just delighted that you're you're with us today and you can speak to this uh, subject of anxiety and mental health because parenting is always challenging and, and it's especially challenging now, I think, with this, all of these COVID uh, season changes. So I guess I'll just start with the first question is, what are some common signs of anxiety in children? So just for clarity, I wanted to note that when we're talking about children, let's kind of think of the ages of 6 to 12 let's concentrate on that elementary age. And I see all kinds of symptoms, but I'll give you a list of what the most common ones are and then some that are less common. The number one physical symptom that I see is stomach aches. Mm -hmm. Lots of kids get stomach aches and the stomach ache um, can then be another instigating factor (laughs) in help, you know, then they start worrying about, am I gonna throw up at school if I have a stomach ache? Does this mean I'm sick? Um, And once we can help the child understand, no, the anxiety is causing the stomach ache, uh, it tends to start to calm down. But that by far is um, the most common. Some other physical manifestations include headaches, muscle tension, restlessness, Some kids feel like they have to go to the bathroom a lot. You know, moms will come in saying, you know, my kid says he has to pee like 18 times a day. Well, I always say get it checked out by a doctor, but oftentimes anxiety is behind that. Trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, general aches and pains even can be related to anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of behaviors, those would be the physical symptoms. But behavioral symptoms, we'd want to look for things like kids avoiding activities or wanting to avoid school. Maybe they don't want to go to their friend's house and normally they like going to that friend's house. 
They might start making excuses for why they can't go to church or Sunday school. I also hear a lot of what if questions, and that's always a sign of worry. Um, not necessarily problematic worry, but it is a sign of worry. So for example, what if I get sick at school? What if you get in a car accident? What if there's a storm tonight while I'm sleeping? Those kind of questions always mean that the child is wondering about some uncertainty out there that they don't have an answer for, and it's causing them some distress. Another symptom that people don't often recognize as anxiety is anger. I see this a lot in little boys. They don't know how to express their emotions. They don't know how to say, I'm anxious or I'm worried or I'm scared. And so often what happens is anger is their go-to emotion and that's what gets expressed. And you can think of it kind of like, if I were going to say, I'd like you to go into this house and you look at the house and the house is on fire, do you think you're willingly going to walk in that house? Mm. No. Mm. And if I push you into the house, you're probably going to get angry. That kind of illustrates how anxiety and anger can be very closely tied together. Mm. Um, there are some less common symptoms of anxiety in kids that parents might see. Things that you would often associate with OCD, like ritualized behaviors, having to do things until they're just so, mm. or until they feel just right. Um, and of course, that never happens. Nothing feels just right. <laughs> so they do it over and over and over again. Checking behaviors, repeated hand washing, um, a need to confess things every night, um, having really disturbing thoughts or images pop into their head over and over. Also, some compulsive self-soothing behaviors like cuticle picking, thumb sucking, excessive masturbating. Uh, hair pulling, and that can include eyebrows, eyelashes, hair on their head. When there are the more compulsive behaviors like that, those, I mean, skin picking, cuticle picking, we've probably all done that at some point in our lives. But if you've got a third grader who's still sucking their thumb in class, that may need to be looked at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that gives you kind of the range of symptoms that you can see in kids. So is, is any level of anxiety normal in kids, Barb? Yes, absolutely. I spend a lot of my time normalizing anxiety. And the reason for that is that it really is a normal human response. We have this built-in alarm system in us that God has given us. It's wonderful. It helps keep us safe. The problem is there are times when we get false alarms. We don't need to be afraid of something, but our body and our thoughts and our emotions all tell us you have to be really scared right now. And kids, well, humans, adults too, have a really hard time recognizing fact from a false alarm. So what really is danger and what is my anxiety trying to play a trick on me or, or trying to convince me of something that's not true? Um, and that's part of the job of parents is to help kids recognize, yes, you're feeling anxious and yes, this is a false alarm and I know you feel scared, 
but that doesn't mean that you need to be scared or that it's a dangerous thing that we're going to be doing. Anxiety is a is a like a coin. So it's got two sides to the same issue. One side is it's going to be awful. Whatever the situation, whatever the um, thing that's making the child anxious, it's going to be awful. And the other side of the coin is, and I can't handle it. So when those two things combine, you've got anxiety. In the office, I like to have kids rate their anxiety from zero to 10 to let them know that anxiety um, and other words I use are worry, um, scared, nervous. Some kids don't know what anxiety means, so you can substitute other words, but I have them rate it so they understand that First of all, that's one way to communicate it with your parent is to say, you know, my anxiety is at a five right now from zero to 10. If zero is no anxiety and 10 is just sheer panic. The other thing is to really help them understand that emotions are on a continuum. Nothing's just on or off. Mm -hmm. We can be a little bit sad or we can be really sad. We can be a little bit worried or we can be overwhelmed with worry. And that's not something that kids just automatically understand. A child's temperament has a lot to do with their innate capacity to handle change and uncertainty. In my practice, I see that there are three characteristics in most anxious kids. Most of them are cautious by nature. Most of them tend to be very conscientious. They want to do the right thing. They want to please. And then I often see perfectionism. And those three can really conspire to make kids feel overwhelmed with this inner sense of danger and threat. And to help kids normalize, it's okay when you have those icky feelings. I know it's not comfortable, but I know you can handle it and we'll talk about it and um, they will see over time that despite having these feelings, they can still do these things and be brave and get through them. Okay. So yes, I guess uh, the bottom line would be yes, and it depends on the temperament of the child to what degree is it. Okay. So would you say it's better for parents to talk to their child when they see them, uh, they think their kids are anxious or should they wait for the child to express their anxiety? This, this is probably a personal preference, uh, but I think it's better to talk to your child. This is an opportunity to help them label their emotions. If we don't bring it up, there are some kids who just shove all of their anxiety down and they're like, you know, the, the common example is they're like ducks. They're very quiet and serene on top of the water, but below the water, their feet are just paddling and paddling. We need to help those kids express their inner world. Mm -hmm. And you can do that by suggesting emotion words to them, you know, saying, mm -hmm. boy, you seem kind of worried today. Are you worried today? And if you're not right, they'll tell you. <laughs> um, or it seems like you're feeling scared. I might feel scared too if it was my first day of baseball practice. So that would be my preference is to talk to the kids. Okay. I remember I have a daughter who's a teacher 
And I remember watching her with, with one of her boys one day, um, helping him identify the emotion he was feeling. I was just really impressed. And I thought, I bet that's part of her teacher training, but that was just so helpful to help him learn those, those words. So as they, they learn to identify the feeling, then how do we help them communicate it and process those emotions? That's, that's a really big question. <laughs> and I guess, you know, kids learn about emotion through observation, through modeling, through experience, but really labeling the emotion is always the first step. We want to build our kids' emotional vocabulary. So letting them know that there are different words for mad, frustrated, irritated, upset, um, that there are different words for anxious, worried. I feel restless. I feel scared. I feel unsure. That is the, the foundation upon which you build all emotion regulation mm -hmm. is helping kids identify their own emotions mm -hmm. and express them. Yeah, I've been surprised in my counseling at the church how often I think men in particular don't have words for their emotions. And I've often handed out a sheet of emojis that indicate that to help them, even adult, you know, adults identify their emotions. And I wonder if that would be something that might be helpful for kids, put something like that on the refrigerator and, and let them point to an emoji and, you know, help them identify their emotion that way. Yeah, absolutely. And same in my practice, I'm handing those out all the time to adults. Sure. <laughs> We, yeah, we assume that it's some sort of innate ability and it's just not. Right. Um, I, I think as far as processing emotions, there's a really helpful saying in the therapy world, uh, name it to tame it. Mm -hmm. And that just means name the feeling to tame the feeling. And the, the thinking behind this is that when kids are caught up in an emotion, if they can take the time to take a breath and say what they're feeling is, mm -hmm. they have to use a different part of their brain. Mm -hmm. So rather than the limbic system, the emotional part of the brain, they have to go to the prefrontal cortex or the thinking part of the brain to grab those words. Just that process in and of itself can help kids start to calm down or get unstuck from that emotion. Now, I imagine there are some times when parents actually project their own fears onto kids. How can, how can parents um, keep from doing that? That is really, really common. I work with a lot of parents coaching them on how to, how to talk to their child, how to unhook from their child's anxiety. Mm -hmm. And this is particularly difficult for parents who were themselves anxious kids. They see their child going through an experience or anticipating a spirit, an experience that was particularly tough for them as a kid. And of course, they're going to be triggered to feel all of those old feelings. Sure. again. So recognizing your anxiety about the situation and about your child's anxiety is the first step in kind of separating from it. Because being in the anxiety with your child is not helpful. Right, sure. And that doesn't always make sense to parents. They, you know, it feels more compassionate or more nurturing to some parents to be completely immersed in it. <laughs> and 
I will use the example of, well, if your child is drowning, it doesn't make sense for you to be drowning alongside them. So we talk a lot about how to stay calm, even if it's just on the outside. There can still be this whole storm going on inside, but can you present a calm front to your child and let them know that their anxiety doesn't scare you? You can handle it because then that's how they learn they can handle it. Sure. So is there a way for parents to prevent themselves from becoming anxious um, when they see that their children are anxious? Are there some things they can do on the inside uh, of themselves so they don't go down that same, same path? Yes. You know, I, I would just encourage parents that if you find yourself feeling anxious about your child being anxious, <laughs> don't panic. That's a lot of anxiety <laughs> in one sentence, but anxiety about anxiety, whether it's your own or your child's, tends to just um, snowball. And so again, having them acknowledge their own anxiety, take a step back, recognize that whatever their child is anxious about, um, they're going to make it. Get some perspective. Think about five or 10 years from now. Will this still be a big issue? Will going to kindergarten be, you know, the end all be all of difficult challenges? No. So getting some perspective can be really helpful, but also allowing our kids to struggle a bit is mm -hmm. tough, really tough. And yet we have to help our kids through these things uh, in order for them to gain the experience and the kind of kind of the muscle mm -hmm. to be able to handle their own emotions and their own anxiety. So in terms of preventing your own anxiety, I would say rather than preventing it, because it may just come up, let it be there. That's kind of my mantra. Let it be there. But do what you need to do anyway. Um, don't let the anxiety convince you that you're failing as a parent because you're anxious mm -hmm. or that your child is doomed to a life of anxiety because they're exhibiting some anxiety about something now. You know, your own anxiety is going to be feeding you a lot of lies in this process. Mm -hmm. And so I guess acknowledging those lies and trying to sort out what is the truth here and telling yourself the truth and the objective evidence for why or why not this is going to be an awful or a good thing sure. can be helpful. So one of the um, concerns right now, I think with this COVID season and kids in different learning situations, so many being at home, learning online, um, hopefully things will continue to improve and schools, will, all of the schools will open and kids will go back to school. But I would imagine there will be a fair amount of anxiety then as kids start going, going back to school uh, in the fall. And how are, what are some ways we can help kids prepare for that? Uh, yeah. that transition. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of anxiety in kids already this spring who've transitioned back to school. And for a lot of kids, that will ease the tension in the fall. Okay. Um, because mm -hmm. they've been sure. back for a little bit and they know, okay, it's going to be okay. Right. For kids who, for instance, have been homeschooled this year because of COVID, and they're going to start up again next year, 
I think we have to expect that there will be some anxiety. It's a big change. Sure. So, you know, again, the point is, let's not be afraid of the anxiety. Let's talk about it. Let's expect it to be there. It's just trying to keep you safe. Maybe it's giving you a false alarm right now. The problem with going back to school is that for a lot of kids, August is a month of anxiety. I was that way as a kid. It was awful. I couldn't enjoy the last part of my summer because all the school supplies were out at Target. <laughs> and it made me anxious just seeing the notebooks and the pencils. Mm-hmm. So recognize that that's going to come when it comes. But for now, let's just have fun. Let's enjoy this time and not let that worry take away the fun that we can have. Another thing that's really, really important is to give kids hope. Let them know that even if they feel anxious in the fall before going to school in the first, you know, few days of school, they won't always feel that way. Kids can be pretty concrete and assume that if they're feeling anxiety about a given situation, they will always feel that feeling in that situation. So we have to help them finish the story. So rather than the story being I have to get through summer and then I have to start school. Boom. End of story. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to have a fun summer. I'm going to start school. I'm going to come home from school. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to come home from school. Mm-hmm. We're going to have fun things to do on the weekend. And then I'll go to school and come home from school. And eventually my feelings won't be all anxious and sad and scared. So finishing that emotional story that you won't always feel this way, it will get better. So going back to my, you know, question about is any level of anxiety normal for kids as from what you've said? Yes, it is. It is normal. But how can parents know when it's time for them to get professional help for their kids when they're dealing with anxiety? Yeah, that's a good question. And really, it's a question of disruption and interference. How much is this disrupting the child's day-to-day life? Um, And how much is it disrupting the family's life, quite honestly? Because anxiety is often a family issue. Um, Kids start feeling anxious, parents accommodate the anxiety, and then this really unhealthy pattern can start. So is the child crying every morning before school beyond the first couple of weeks? Mm -hmm. Are they unable to fall asleep at night for, you know, weeks in a row because they're Mm -hmm. afraid somebody's going to break in? Are they constantly asking mom or dad, can I use the, can I use your phone and look at the weather app to see if there's Mm going to be a storm? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how much is this affecting their day-to-day functioning is what we need to look at. And parents typically have a pretty good sense of when outside help is needed. And one of the things I've noticed lately is that um, with with the current situation, most therapists are really, really busy these days. I know your your practice is full, but it's often full. Um, so I think it's helpful for parents to get some of these tips to be able to help their kids at home and learn to identify and manage their emotions um, on their own. And hopefully this, our, our conversation today is giving parents some some tools um, that they can use to help help their kids themselves. Hopefully. And there are so many great resources online too. There's a fantastic website, childmind.org. 
that has all kinds of great articles on kids and anxiety, behavior issues. It's a really uh, trustworthy and well-respected source of information. There's the American, or the they changed the name, used to be that. It's now the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, or ADAA.org. That can be another great resource for checking, you know, what, what do these symptoms mean and does this mean I should get help for my child? Um, and then there are all kinds of books and so many books, yeah. <laughs> so many books on kids and anxiety right now. Well, I just want to thank you both for being here and getting a chance to talk um, and hopefully offer up some advice to our families um, as as so many of them are dealing with this right now with their children. And so, um, Barb, thank you for coming and Beth for being a part of this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.